Most people I know wish they had more time. I hear people say that all the time. I wish I had more time for whatever. More time for working out, more time to sleep in. I wish I had more time to do nothing. I wish I had more time to spend with my kids, my grandkids. I wish I had more time to spend with my aging parents. I hear that a lot uh, more and more all the time. Um, I think it's telling that in our culture, a lot of the time when you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? Their response is, oh, been busy. Not all the time, but a lot of the time, that's what you hear from people. Oh, been busy. Great. Been busy. Um, I can't get my head around still and h- how busy kids are these days. I don't know why. It just, year after year, it blows my mind. Um, our kids are getting to the age now where they should be busy, but they're not. You know, we were looking at stuff. Abby and I were having this conversation this week of, man, this kid does this, and they do this, and they got soccer, and they got an instrument they're playing. And our kids don't do any of that. Like, should, we, should they be more busy? You know, but I think most kids nowadays are busier or have more commitments, at least, than I do as an adult. And it's so strange how our lives fill up, you know, because for the, for the kids, you know, it's not just schoolwork, which, by the way, they have seven hours a day of learning, intense learning, and then uh, they get homework that goes along with that. And then, um, usually with, between sports and other activities, I'll bet most kids are busy at least three, if not four, five, or more nights a week doing activities, and so some of you, the reason you wish you had more time is because you're just trying to keep up with getting your kids everywhere, and what I think is, is dangerous maybe is not just being busy. There's nothing necessarily wrong with being busy. We'll get into that, but we're teaching our kids that this is the way to live your life. You go, and you go, and you go, and you never stop, and you say yes to all the things, and you do more, and you do everything possible until you die, and that's a normal life. And I don't know if that's what we want our lives to be. And maybe for you it has nothing to do with kids. Maybe you're drowning in your own activities. It could be that extra effort you're putting into work, trying to, you know, work your way up the, the ladder at, where, uh, at your business. Uh, it could be an after-work sports league for those of you that are in shape, or if you're not in shape, a fantasy sports league, which is open to all. Um, you might serve on a school board, a town board. You might be a troop leader. Um, but we end up doing a million things And wishing we had time for more. And I find that very, very interesting. Well, today we're going to finish up this series called I Choose. And today our choice is going to be, we are going to choose what is important over what is urgent. Important over what is urgent. Because this series, what it is all about is choosing what is best. Not what's convenient. Not what's easy. We're not going to choose what everybody else is doing. Because I hope you know this, normal doesn't mean right. Because just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Um, Just because something or an event or a situation is screaming for your attention even doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. And so we want to be people who choose what is right. And today it's going to be choosing what is important over what is urgent. And you might think, aren't those the same? Sometimes, yes, they are the same. Sometimes things that are urgent are very important. Your kid, you know, jumps high on the trampoline, doesn't land, though, on the trampoline. You go out there, there's a bone sticking out. That is urgent. It needs to be dealt with in that moment. It is, your kid is screaming for your attention, and it's very, very important. You really need to get them to the hospital where somebody can push that bone back in and stitch it all up and line it all up and set it. Like, it's both important and urgent. But those things don't always go together. Important and urgent are not always the same thing. And so let's put a little distinction between the two, between important and urgent. 
excuse me. Um, urgent are things that are actively seeking your attention. They are things that are reaching into your life, trying to get a hold of some of your calendar, some of your energy, and some of your effort. That's what it, urgent things are things that are reaching out to you for you to get involved with them. They are demanding your attention, whether it's a circumstance or a person. Um, for instance, let's say your car breaks down. I hope the rest of you are feeling better about this sermon than he is. Um, <laughs> let's say your car breaks down. That can be important, but it is definitely urgent. It's one of those things that says, okay, your car's broken. Now you've got you to gotta do something about that. Um, let's say your friend asks you to help with something they're working on. They're reaching out to you. Hey, i got this thing on Thursday. Can you help? Can you make a meal for this? Um, maybe your kids come to you with a project that they've known about for two months, but all of a sudden it's due tomorrow and they haven't done anything on it and they need your help. Like That's urgent for you in that moment. Um, maybe, I think um, for a lot of us, what other people do, what we consider normal lifestyle for people in our stages of life, I think those things are often urgent because we feel like we need to do what everybody else is doing. We feel like, well, everybody else is doing it. Am I, what am I, am I missing something? Am I not keeping up? And there's this voice in your head that says, you've got to be like everybody else. Those things, I believe, I would put in the category of urgent because there's this pressure. Maybe it's from your own mind, but it's still there saying, do this, do this, give in to that way of doing things. And so oftentimes urgent things are saying, hurry up. You've got to do this now. You're going to miss out or you're going to fall through the cracks. You've got to do this. And it's that time-sensitive nature of urgent things that makes you feel that they're always important. It makes you feel like you have to give your immediate attention to it. Now, important things, on the other hand, important things are those that will, without a doubt, lead to regret if you don't address them. Important things are those things that will, without a doubt, lead to regret if you don't address them. Um, let's say um, regular car maintenance, like changing your oil. That's an important thing to do. And if that's news to you, listen, that is an important thing to do. If you do not maintain your car, then your car breaks and you end up in an urgent situation. So you see the difference? Maintaining your car is important. Regularly changing the oil is important. If you neglect that important, you will end up in an urgent situation. Um, let's say um, spending quality time with your kids. That's important. I don't just mean sitting on the stands and watching them. I mean sitting in a place where you can talk to them about what's going on in their life, in their heart, guiding them, directing them. Um, saving for retirement is very important because most of us, if we are lucky, we will live to an age where our bodies don't enable us to work to take care of ourselves financially. That's important. Um, taking care of yourself physically and mentally, taking rest to rejuvenate your body, mind, soul, those things are important. But here's the thing that really separates important from urgent and why we often choose the wrong thing. Most of the time, nobody's going to tell you to, to do those important things. It's up to you. Most of the time, nobody's going to be knocking on your door saying, hey, you, better, you need to spend more time with your kids. Hey, you, you need to go work out and go to the gym. And if somebody did do that, you'd be horribly offended. Like if, if somebody in Walmart says, hey, you know what you could do? Put away a few packs of Oreos and go to the gym instead. You'd be like, mind your business, stranger. Get your, out of my Oreos, man. Like, like, so nobody's going to bust into your life and, and say, hey, you need to take that vacation time that's just going to go to waste if you don't. Nobody says that stuff to you. 
The important things, though, nobody's pounding on your door saying, do this, do this, do this. But when you don't do them, you're going to regret it. And the urgent things, people are busting down your door saying, give me your time, give me your energy, do these things. And you do them because everybody else is doing them, but at the end of your life, is it going to add up to a lot? At the end of your life, is that really what the, the best possible thing you could have invested in? Now, let me give you an example from my life that where I had to discern between what is urgent and what is important. Um, I have the type of personality where I prefer our house to be clean. And if it is not, you know, not just like, I don't want toys everywhere. I don't want to have to like navigate my living room like it's a minefield. Like I prefer it cleared out and I prefer, you know, not to be an inch of dust on things. That's what I prefer. Now you're saying, I can't ever have him to my house. Okay. I don't care about your house. I really don't. It doesn't bother me to be in somebody else's house like that. But in my house, when it's messed up like that, I start to get anxious. I, I can't, I can, I feel more at ease and more peaceful when everything is cleaned up and everything is put in its place. And some of you are sitting here listening to that, and I just said something, I might as well have been speaking another language. That's so foreign to you, you don't even care, like, at all about that stuff. But the other half of you in the room, you, I just connected with you more than anything I've ever preached. You're like, oh, finally, somebody's talking about cleaning up that living room, because this is getting to me. You're thinking about it right now. And so some of you, you're alienated, and the other part, we're, you're leaning in closer than you ever have. But that's just how my personality is. I prefer things to have some order to them. And so what I have tended to do is I try to keep our house in order. Uh, when, I have, when I'm home various afternoons watching our kids, I'll try to, you know, okay, I'll clean the, ba- the kitchen today and one of the bathrooms, and then the next day I have with the kids, I'll do the other bathroom and get the living room and dust, and then I'll get the bedroom some other day and maybe do some laundry along the way. I try to, you know, do stuff so that I can maintain it. But what I noticed was I would wake up with this plan of all that I'm going to accomplish today. And then I had kids, and kids said, oh, Dad, oh, Dad, you don't. That's a great idea, but we're going to ruin it and do everything we can to mess up your plan. And so what I noticed as I became a father was that I would start to get so short and grumpy as I had to deal with my kids, and they would interrupt my plan, and as I wasn't getting the things done that I felt needed to happen, it would start to stress me out, and I would take it out on them. And you know what I thought was the problem? My kids. And pesky kids are the problem. But what I learned was... Um, And it took me a long time to figure this out. I was the problem because I couldn't distinguish between what was urgent and what was important. Given my personality, things that are dirty scream at me. Like my house being in disarray, it kind of screams at me. And that felt like I have to do this right now. I have to get this clean today. If I can bring peace to my life, I've got to take care of it. But then I realized one day that I don't want my kids to look back on their childhood and think, man, my dad was always so mean. Man, my dad was always so angry. He was always so grumpy and upset. I wanted my kids to say, no matter what was going on, my dad always took the time to do what we needed him to do. And I'm not always so great at that, but I can start to tell now when I get upset. I have to start, I kind of take a step back and say, what, the kitchen can be dirty. And so you might come to my house and there might be crumbs on the floor and crumbs in the kitchen and an inch of dust on the TV stand and it will bother me. When you see that, I will, I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I will feel that. But you know what? I'm actively choosing and trying to tell myself, I got to pick important over urgent. Just because it's urgent doesn't mean it's the most important thing I can be doing with my time. Now, 
There's a story that so beautifully illustrates the difference between urgent and important. And it's a great story, one reason, because Jesus is right smack dab in the middle of it. And Jesus has this ability in some circumstances where there's conflict and, and a lack of clarity. He has this ability to bring remarkable clarity to a situation. And so if you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and grab it. We'll be in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. There should be a hard back, hard back black one in the pew in front of you, or the verses will be on the screens here. Assuming God blesses the connections and the wires between the computer and the televisions as we go through this. And what we have here is Jesus going into a person's house, okay? This happened all the time. Jesus did not have a home. He traveled, at least during his ministry, his three years of ministry, he didn't have a home. He would travel around the world. He would go from village to village, and, and people would open their homes to him, and he would stay there. And the thing about Jesus is he didn't travel by himself most of the time. Jesus had groupies. And so everywhere Jesus went, you had to not just take care of Jesus, but you had to take care of his groupies. And the, and the size range, I mean, sometimes there were dozens of people following Jesus. Other times it was just his 12 closest disciples. But So Jesus shows up at the house of a woman named Martha. And Martha has a sister named Mary. And, Mary ha- and they have a brother who's not mentioned in the story. His name is Lazarus. Okay, remember Lazarus, you know, rose from the dead, that whole, if you've ever heard that story. Um, that's this family, even though Lazarus isn't mentioned right here in the story. And it's, I just love the difference between these two sisters. And, and as somebody who has an older brother who's different than me and a sister, an older sister who's drastically different than me, I read this story and I love the differences between these two siblings. It just makes me giggle. Luke 10, we'll start on verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, that's Jesus and his disciples, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now I relate to Martha. I've already just outed myself that I like things clean. And especially when people are coming over, like, I'm going to clean. I'm going to get things done. We're going to get the bathrooms especially. Because when you got kids, I mean, how do they get so much toothpaste everywhere? Can somebody tell me that? I mean... Good grief, they put this much toothpaste, and they're supposed to put it in their mouth, and it's everywhere. Okay, I got, that's into rant. I'm going to focus on what I went, had written down to say. That was just it. just boggles my mind. Um, and so I'm going to clean that stuff up. You know, I'm going to dust. I'm going to mop. We're going to try to put all the dishes away. You're to, kids, shove everything in the closet. You know, you're doing that kind of stuff when people are coming over. And so Martha has Jesus coming over. And, he, and, his, and his disciples were there with him, and Jesus is teaching, and people are sitting around listening to him, and Martha is the host. And it's her job to make sure things are, are okay. She's there to be hospitable to them. And so she's probably making food and preparing things and, and organizing places for people to sleep and things of that sort. She's doing what she thinks she's supposed to be doing, taking care of the people that are there. And Mary expected her sister to help. And where's Mary? Or Martha, excuse me, expected her sister Mary to help. And Mary just isn't there. Mary's doing what the other people are doing. She's just sitting there listening to Jesus. And when I read this story, I'm like, come on, Mary. Like, come on, do something. And get up and help your poor sister. She's doing all the stuff. Come on, help her. Uh, when I was growing up, my, we always had like Thanksgiving and Christmases at my grandma's house. And my grandma's sister was named Jenny Ellen. And Jenny Ellen would, would come over almost every Christmas, at least every other and as soon as dinner was done, Jenny Ellen disappeared. We still don't know where she went. 
But the second that last plate and cup was dried and put away, Jenny Ellen came back. Well, hey, everybody. Oh, did I miss it? I'm so sorry. Oh, man. And so to this day, if we catch somebody, you know, hanging out in the other room while other people are cleaning up, it's like, hey, Jenny Ellen, get in the kitchen and do some dishes. And so like, I read this and I think, Mary, Jenny Ellen, that's what she's being right there. And so, but, but the story goes on because Martha does what any good sibling would do when their sister's not cooperating. She tattles. And so she goes to Jesus in the rest of verse 40, and she went up to him. Notice the tone. This is like, ooh. She says to to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She's busting out Jesus a little bit there, which I don't know if you'd have the guts to do that. Tell her then to help me. Come on, Jesus, you're in charge here. Tell my sister to get up off the ground and help me serve all this stuff. Do the right things. And and Martha is so convinced that she's right. So convinced that helping everybody, running here and getting plates and getting food and doing all the things. She's so convinced that that is the most important thing that she could be doing in that moment. So much so that she calls out Jesus for not keeping Mary up and moving. And then Jesus, again, brings beautiful clarity to the situation. And I don't like it, by the way, because I'm Martha. I'm the person that wants to be busy doing all the things. And he calls her out and he says, says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Now, if you're not a Christian, you might not understand this, but um, for those of you that are Christians, have you ever heard about people picking out a life verse? They pick out a verse in the Bible that speaks to them and defines their life. Some of you, this could be your life verse. You are anxious and troubled about many things. I could put that just to get a t-shirt with that on it and just say, I am anxious and troubled about many things. And it would be true about 90% of the time. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Saying, In this situation, Mary has chosen what is right, and you have been distracted by other lesser things. Some translations uh, even say, Mary has chosen what is better. She's chosen what is better. Doing what is urgent will often keep you from doing what is important. Doing what is urgent, the things that feel like they have to be done right now, the things that feel like if you don't do them... You're not going to be up to snuff with everybody else. That You're going to be falling behind. Those things that are clamoring for your attention, if you say yes to all of the urgent things, you will have no time left for the things that are important. Urgency is often the enemy of importance with your life. And we have to be people who understand that busyness doesn't mean meaning. Busyness doesn't equal fulfillment. Busyness does not equal accomplishment. Busy just means busy. And it doesn't mean that we're focusing on the right things. And so we have to be people who take time out of our life, take time out of just going through life to sit down and think, where do I want my life to go? When I'm 80 or 90, if by by God's grace we live that long, and I look back on my life, what are the things that I want to have invested my limited amount of time in? We can't just go through the flow because that will lead you to a life of urgency, not a life of importance. And so we have to ask a very simple question. What is the most important thing that you've been distracted from doing? That thing that you keep saying, I wish I had more time for. What fills in the blank there? Why aren't you doing it? What are the things that, again, don't have to be done by you that you could say no to to make room and time for those important things that you've been 
letting go. Those things you know need to be in your life. Some of you would say that you've been so busy doing stuff with your kids that you never got to know your kids. That's a scary thing. And again, there's no undo button on that. You have your kids in your house, in your level of influence or sphere of influence for a limited amount of time. And you can cheer for them in, in the stands all you want, but that doesn't mean that you've influenced them and led them to be the people that you know God put you in their life to lead them to be. Some of you, you haven't invested in them in a meaningful way outside of school or some other extracurricular activities. And again, everybody else is doing it. That's okay. And again, I'm not saying these are wrong. That's, this, that's a, another tricky thing about urgent things is most of the things that are requiring our attention, they're not bad things. I'm not saying you're a sinner for having your kid play the guitar or having your kid, you know, you know, take whatever kind of lessons are being, I'm not saying that's bad, I'm just saying we have to discern that we can only handle so much of that stuff, rather than filling up every second. Some of you would say that it's your marriage that has fallen through the cracks, as you've been doing all these different things, you haven't invested in your marriage, and it's, it's starting to show. Some of you might say that it's been your job that's gotten into the way, or maybe it's just the activity level of, of your schedule that's gotten in the way. It's distracted you from investing your time into the things that were meant to be a blessing to you. Now, you could go on and on about what you think is the most important. Okay? I've said several of them, but just look at what Mar or Martha was missing out on. Time with Jesus. I know a lot of you in the room are Christians, and you say, I, yes, I'm, I believe this stuff, I, I'm, I'm in, okay? Well, we say we believe this stuff, but oftentimes what you'll notice is that what we say we believe and how we live our life tell two different stories. We can say, oh, the Bible is God's word, it is important, it can shape your life and change your life. Do you ever read it? No. These are God's words that you have in your life, and do you ever read it? No. Prayer is powerful. Prayer can change the course of events, asking God to get involved in our lives and pleading with him to come in and change things daily. How often do you pray? Well, when things are going bad and I need help. Do you pray on normal days for God's strength and guidance? I don't really think about it those days. It's interesting how we say one thing, but we live a totally different way. All of us would say this stuff is important, but we don't live as if it is important. And here's Martha being distracted by normal, everyday things. And Jesus is sitting in her living room, and she's missing him. How many of us have access to God through prayer? Or you have a Bible app on your phone, in your pocket, ready to read at any point in time. Or it can even read to you. Most of them are that guy with that deep, like, James Earl Jones voice. It's beautiful. Don't be laying down, though. That guy's voice will put you right to sleep. Just warning you. But, but it'll read to you. You have God's word at access in your pocket, and we don't use it. It's, it's strange how we say one thing's important, and we don't live as if it's important. We don't let the Spirit of God speak to us, get into our lives, and change us through his word. And yet, we look back and we wonder why our faith is inconsistent. Why are some days I'm on fire, and some days I feel so dry and weary and uninspired? We have older generations who, who wonder why our kids never followed in our faith footsteps. Well, it's because they lived their whole life hearing you say this was important, but not living that it was important. We have moments in our lives where things get hard and we fall apart. Our faith, the faith that we've built, it doesn't stand up under the pressure and rigors of life. Why is that? Because we never spent time investing in building a faith that was solid enough to handle life. We've chosen urgency over importance. 
And we don't want to get up early to read the Bible. We don't have the energy to stay up late and read the Bible. We can't pray anytime without falling asleep because we're so incredibly busy. But why can't we be people who make a choice, who understand that God has given us the ability to choose, the ability to make the hard choice of putting aside what is urgent and focusing on what is important. And it's tricky because sometimes the important is different than everybody else. Sometimes the important will make you look bad to other people. You know what I see when I look at Mary in this story? Lazy. You know what Jesus says? Faithful. <laughs> We've got to be people who discern what is important. And here's the, the other tricky thing that I, I've sat all week trying to figure out how, what, where's, the, where's the answer to this question, because here's what I thought. When Jesus says, Martha, you're wrong, okay, what happens then if Martha, the host, the one responsible for the sleeping arrangements and the food and the cleanliness of the place and hosting people, what happens if Martha decides to just sit down and listen to Jesus. Who's going to make the food? Who's going to clean everything up? Well, everything's going to fall apart. What's the answer there? Who's going to do that stuff? And you know what I came up with? I don't know. And maybe the answer is, because that's your worry. If I don't do all the things, some of that stuff's not going to get done. And maybe the answer is, okay. Maybe it just doesn't get done. Maybe there's, because here's the thing what I know. I know that there are already things in your life that you aren't doing. There's already things that are going undone. That's why you wish you had more time. So if things are already going to go undone, why don't we at least choose to make sure that it's not those important, precious, time-sensitive things that we only have a limited amount of time to invest in? Our kids, our grandkids, our marriages, our faith. Why do we let those things drop? And we're doing all this other stuff that doesn't matter as much. And those other things, again, they're not bad. Mary making food, there's nothing wrong with making food. I mean, some of the best things in the New Testament happen around the dinner table. It's not bad, but it's not the best. And so you and I have to be people who choose. If you're going to drop the ball somewhere, don't drop the most important one. And I don't know what that is for you. I don't know if it's your faith. I don't know what it is you've been saying. I need to do more of this. I need to get more time here. I don't know what it is. But you have the choice right now to make the changes to where you say, I'm going to be a person who is all about the important, not just the urgent. And so the question is, what will you choose? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to come and invest our hearts into your word. I pray, Father, that, that as we dive into this story, as, we've, as, as it works in our hearts as we just leave here today, I pray that your word would be powerful, that it would actually have that life-changing power that, that we know that it does. I pray that the spirit living inside of us would not be silent in areas where we are investing in the wrong things, not bad things, just lesser things that you would work inside of us and challenge us and let, it, let there be an unrest in our soul until we start making these beautiful and right choices. Father, we are grateful for your teaching. We are grateful for your word. We are grateful for the options that we have to do amazing things with our life. They are, there's so many things in there. Again, they're not bad, but if we let it, they will be a distraction from the best things. So let us be people who appreciate the value of the word no, let us be people who are unconcerned about what others think so that if we need the time off to, 
study your word, invest in your word, or just take a break so that we can have rest for our souls and have a Sabbath for our lives the way you've intended, that if someone thinks us lazy, then let them think it. We're going to follow you. Not be determined by the urgency and the things around us, but determined, but be driven by what you have called us to invest in, those important things. Thank you again for this direction. Thank you for the wisdom. May we be challenged by it, and may it not leave our minds when we walk out the door today. Let it follow us home and let it bother us until we line up more appropriately with your will. We pray to us in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.